Welcome back to the Burning Eye podcast. Um, my name is Bridget. I'm your host and the editor at Burning Eye Books, the UK's leading publisher for performance poetry and spoken word. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by the magnetic Helen Shepherd, whose uh, debut Fontanelle has just been released on our web store. Fontanelle is about soft spots, birth, women and those whose voices are often unheard. Helen has a long family connections to care, an aunt and midwife from 1941, her mum worked at a transplant hospital and her dad passed down her quirky humour. All these influences her reasons to become a nurse and a midwife. This debut collection is her take on the complexities and the joys of care, duty and burnout. Unexpected tender pockets of tragedy and humour in poetry and letters. Helen Shepherd is a gem of the Bristol poetry scene, says Malika Kagode. Her poetry is rich, giving and powerful. Helen excels most when diving into her lived experience, producing beautifully honed observations on life, family, friendship, health and loss. She approaches her poetry with humour and pathos. Her work feels tender without a hint of artificiality. Helen Shepherd makes you love her as a writer and fall back in love with the power of writing. As always, you can get a copy of Fontanelle from our web store at burningeye.co.uk, along with any of our titles from the last 10 years. As ever, kick back, chill out and enjoy today's episode. Hello, it's me, Bridget, obviously. Hello, I'm here with Helen Shepherd. Hi, Helen. Hey, lovely to be here with you. Yeah, you too, you too. We, um... I like to start off every episode by talking about the weather. It seems like a really benign thing to talk about, but quite like it. Last night we had a massive storm in Bristol, torrential rain for most of the evening, but the sun has come out this morning, so it's feeling a bit more... There's patches of blue sky, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but the temperature is definitely dropping again now, isn't it? Yeah, I've got my jumpers out. Yeah, I've got my woolly socks on. <laughs> so, Helen... Um, uh, we're here today to talk about um, your new book that's just come out, Fontanelle, which we've just been having a chat about the fact that it's been getting a lot of like really positive responses from people and people sharing stories with you about Fontanelle. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about what Fontanelle is about? Fontanelle is about the soft spots in our lives and how we, I guess, adapt to the complexities and joys of caring for ourselves and each other. There's a lot of midwifery in the book and um, sort of historical and current stories because I was a midwife for 20 years and it's never really very far from me. There's quite a lot of humour, there's letters to people and um, yeah, I've had some lovely feedback so I'm, I'm very pleased it birthed well into the world. Yeah, I think it's such a great book in terms of the the balance of, of, like you say, like the stories about mid midwifery and your own personal experience and, you know, historical events and, um, you know, that idea of caring, which is something that's on a lot of people's minds right now, isn't it? I think mm. over the last like year or so of, of mutual aid and self-care um, and making sure that we're all looking after each other. So I think this book is a very um, timely release um, as we start to come out of, of lockdown and into the new normal. Thank you. And I guess that focus on the caring side um, has also, you know, sustained me. So it's had 
a double a double thing really yeah yeah so how long um has this um how long has fontanelle been in the works for you in terms of putting poems together thinking about putting a collection together well when you mentioned having a collection i thought oh my god i've only got five poems um <laughs> i had a few more and i've been thinking about a collection for a while and but i realized that there were loads of gaps so yeah. I would say that maybe two thirds of them have been written in the last 18 months. Wow. Which Let's... Um, has been, you know, a time to dig a bit deeper really. And I think they're probably more authentic because of that. Um, there's a few in there. There's one, the first poem in the book opening. I always wanted to write a poem about my first delivery and, um, I would say to get it to the state it's in, it's took <laughs> 10 years and about 36 edits. So, wow. you know, some are, some are a little bit more on the back burner, really, and have, have taken their time. And others, um, I think, at the moment have just seemed important to write. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said, isn't there, about... Um writing a collection that has a strong theme running through it because and um, obviously you have other collections that are sort of like greatest hits of, of poets especially at Burning Eye where we publish performance poets and we have a lot of you know um, um, greatest hits type um, books and things like this but Fontenelle has a, a, a strong couple of themes that run through it so um, was that a challenge for you then to sit down and really focus on on a particular theme in order for you to to write more about? I think it was uncomfortable in at times, and um, yeah, I've put some quite explicit and um, raw poems in there. It was it was um, it was also a really good time to think about my mother and my relationship with my mother which sort of threads into all the caring that I've done um in in quite distorted ways probably so that was really good um I think it's also taken quite a long time to feel that I'm not being disloyal writing about midwifery and I've heard that from a lot of people who are healthcare workers or work in service um, providing service that you can feel really disloyal by mentioning even if you're not telling other people's stories and appropriating other people's experiences you can still feel really disloyal about it so I think I had to get over myself and and, and I think that's been a really good lesson yeah, I've sort of had a, a similar sort of touched on this um, way back when, when we did the podcast with Rob G, when his book came out at the beginning of the year. Um, yes. His book is about, um, you know, mental health services and, and his work as a mental health nurse for so many years. And, and yeah, that kind of idea of um, balancing um, something that's, that's true, but also appropriative at the same time, because a lot of these people aren't telling their own stories. It's, it's you're sort of a vessel for that story. And how are you going to do that in a way that, feels respectful but also true to yourself as a writer as well yes um and i i think you've done really well um with fontanelle um a lot of the writing in here as well my mum is a healthcare servicer as well so my mum works in operating theaters oh yeah of course and has done for her, her whole life and 
you know, she comes home with the stories of, of patients sometimes. A lot of it she'll leave at the door. And I think you need to get this out in some way, whether that's writing yeah. or, or whatever it is. So um, like you mentioned earlier about it being feeling uncomfortable. And I think that is a really strong theme for a lot of people that are putting their first collection together is that there is a lot of discomfort there of reflection mm-hmm. back on your own work, you as a person, how you view things. Um, what um, was there any like particular poems in the book that you found particularly that you were almost not going to put in the book? Oh, I'm I'm having a think now because um, I think probably the burnout poem mm. um, and also yeah I think that was one of them. Um, there's there's a couple about my mum dying and I think they're they're pretty funny joyful one of them and um I I felt that yeah I'm gonna put them in I'm gonna put them in I thought um there's also a couple there's a couple that are fairly to the bone politically and um I decided to put them in because that's my my um the the book is about my take and I wouldn't be being authentic to myself if I'd left certain ones out because I also felt that the more I came to edit it with Harriet and who was absolutely brilliant the more I thought that the book was telling a whole narrative and to leave poems out would have been um would have left those gaps that I was trying to fill in the first place yeah yeah I think you're right there isn't it there's um definitely a balance of um um true to yourself true to other people um but I think as poets it's our job to lift people in our own lives out of that context and into something that is um universally relatable or a picture's a moment that that person might not be entirely proud of, but it's part of your experience. And this is, you know, your book that you've written. So there's an element of, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it there. I also think I've got quite a, you know, um, a nurse's sense of humour. And, and I felt that, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put the humour in as well, because, Though often nurses and doctors' humour is quite private because it can be quite extreme, um, it felt like it needed to, you know, wait, I guess um, balance the other poems as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So um, when, did you, when did you start writing poems? When did you start getting involved in, in the Bristol poetry scene in particular? Oh, I'm going to have a quick slip of tea here. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because um, I didn't know there was such a thing as a poem, which sounds very odd in our, you know, literature-driven education. And um, so I came, I didn't do, I was streamed or down the stream in school to do language, which was looking at vinyl covers and lyrics so I never did poetry, literature, or classics, or Shakespeare. And so the first time I heard about poems is when my daughter was doing 
I think it was Edgar Allan Poe and Lorca. And I thought, wow, these are amazing stories. And um, I burnt out and climbing out of burnout, I went to a kickstart your reading class in my 40s. And um, we were looking at short stories and the tutor said, and it was at the folk, the lovely folk house. And she said, you might want to write something, Helen. And I said, what do you mean, write something? She said, write whatever's in your head. I tell you, it was like an explosion went off. And I said, God, I can write whatever's in my head. And um, I was talking to a few people who were on the course and we discovered there was an open mic around the corner, in, in, well, not far, in the King Charles pub. And it, we went there with our little bits of writing. Uh, it was so welcoming and so, um, you know, you only had to have a, po- a poem in your, or a bit of writing in your back pocket and you'd be whisked onto the stage to perform it. And, um, you know, the sound of other poets, the energy, the, um, the realness of it, and I guess the, mu- the musicality was probably my route into poetry and I've never let go of that because to me poetry is all about community and you know I really need to hear it and even when I read it on the page I really need to hear what I'm reading um so open mics and the Bristol poetry scene I guess pulled out a completely different side of me and um I'm just so amazed and excited by it all still. I mean, that's 20 years, we're 20 years on now, and I still feel just as excited when I go to a poetry gig and I talk poetry to people. It's just so, it, I guess it was a part of me that was waiting, really. Yeah. Yeah. I could just carry on talking about my excitement about it, Bridget. <laughs> I think we, anyone that's seen you perform um, and anyone that's uh, chatted to you at a, an event will, will understand that excitement, I think, because it's very um, obvious on your face, especially when you're performing as well. You can, you can tell that you're enjoying the space. You're enjoying telling your stories to, to people and people are loving hearing it. You know, you've been you've performed all over the place in terms of mm. Bristol. You know, you're, you're a well-known poet now in, in the Bristol scene. Um, and I think that's um, really lovely that you've, you've came to it later and, and then never left. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think because I didn't have that, well, I'll have to say old white male mm. canon in my head at all. Um, I don't know what that is and I think actually that's sort of been really liberating. Being able to come from it from that point of view means that you're not um, embroiled with the insecurities of of the known hierarchy of things so much. (laughs) Absolutely. So you um, you had your book launch last week um, at Waterstones in Bristol. Do you want to, I was unfortunately ill with COVID, so I wasn't able to make it. Um, So for my sake, and obviously the listeners' sake, would you like to just tell us uh, how it went and, and, and what was your highlights of the evening? It was absolutely fantastic. And I went to Waterstones because I was walking, cut doing a cut through. And I've been to quite a few events at Waterstones. And the chap who runs it, Edward, said, who, said, ask me about my writing. 
and did I have a book coming out? He remembered. And he said he'd like to do my launch for me. So, and, and it happened. So I wanted it to be very little talking and I invited some people that had been really pivotal in my, I guess, building my um, confidence and awareness of poetry, mentoring me and, and helping me to edit. But I was a bit amazed because when the tickets went out, I think 50 went in two weeks and then they released another 20. So 70 people came. Amazing. And um, I, I think the, some, a friend came to photos, but the first photo is me flinging my arms out and just being so excited. Um, and and the, the people that came, some of them knew me as a poet and some of them knew me as a midwife, but not both. Um, my hairdresser came, a builder, <laughs> um, <laughs> a midwife that delivered my youngest one 30, nearly 30 years ago. There was just people from every aspect of my adult life. And um, one of my children turned up whose arms were on the front cover of my book, The Cradling Arms. Oh, right, yeah. And um, the chap who drew I Love Fetal Skulls, we could go more into that. Um, and it was just a joyful celebration, really. And, you know, I sat there at the end with this queue of people with my book. And I think I'd signed the second one. And I was like, I can't believe this. I'm signing my own book. And, um, <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I think it, um, the whole process of putting the book together and... Burning Eye have been soft touch, but also really, you know, each stage has been, I've been really comfortable with. I haven't had a moment of anxiety or worry about putting it out there. I've just, it, I guess now I'm 63, the moment feels right. And some people, it can feel right in their 20s. But for me, this is my moment. Yeah. This is your moment, as Martine McClutchin would say. This, this is your moment. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. I think in terms of like the book launch that you're describing there, like that feeling of, and, and there's a lot of poets that we published last year and um, at the beginning of this year as well, that yeah. you get to have that physical launch experience. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about that, that sort of, uh, that moment of reveal, that, that, release of energy with the you know that shared experience like you say um because it brings in so many people from different walks of life that, that are united in the fact that they know you and they know that you're a writer and that you they want to support you and have this book come out for you yeah um, and i think if if i'd had to put it off you know the world's a strange place isn't it yeah if i'd had to put it off i would i would definitely have done it later yeah because to me being in a physical room with people is what poetry is so yeah I guess to me that would be important you know whatever stage if the book had been out a year and I then had to have it it would still be an important celebration really yeah absolutely and I I hope that you and um, Pauline Seawoods might do a um a joint launch of both your Burning Eye books 
Um, oh, yeah. Our listeners uh, will know that Pauline Seawoods uh, released um, her book with us uh, this time last year, I think, actually. Um, and on a personal note, I would love to see an event where you're both um, joint headlining and promoting your books. I think that would be, I would love that. It would be really cool. That would be brilliant because they're both really um, integral to people's stories and they're, and they, yeah. they're really complementary to each other, aren't they? Yeah. And I remember actually Pauline had an online launch last year in which you were featured. I think you were yes. physically with Pauline at the time. So you were there. Um, and it, that was such an online, a beautiful online launch. Um, yeah. And I think we are really trying to like change the definition of the online space at the moment and try and make it as accessible as possible for people. But I, I, on a personal level, would love to see a Bristol event with you and Pauline together, double bill. That would be excellent. That sounds fantastic. And um, I don't know if you know that Pauline was the first person I met in Bristol, who was a writer. Oh, wow. And I met her at um, another folk house um, writing. I can't remember what we were doing. But we got chatting, and her son and my son lived in the same place in Cannington for a while. And we had so many connections, and we've been close buddies ever since. And it was Pauline that, in 2015, she's so brilliant at nudging me. And she said, Helen you might want to send a poem out somewhere. <laughs> you might want to send it out here. So I did, and it got published. And then she said about <laughs> a year later, you might want to send a poem to Tom because he's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. I guess my confidence to get my poems out there has been by people gently nudging me and you know, that nurturing has really paid off. Yeah, yeah. And congratulations. It's such a beautiful book. Like you say, the image on the front is really striking. How did you come up with that idea for the front cover? Well, we, I met a friend at Windmill Hill City Farm for a coffee and I said, I need, a, I need an image for the front. And, um, and they said, what do you like? And I said, I love fetal skulls. And I've always wanted to call a book Fontanelle. Um, and he's an artist illustrator. So he drew the, fontal, the fetal skull. And um, he's, we, we saw an image where someone had um, cradling arms. And he said, oh, just go home and take a photo of Abby in the garden. So I, I took a photo that evening really quick. I mean, none of the photos of her cradling arms have got her head in, which is quite funny. <laughs> and um, I just sent it to him and he put the cover together. So it happened really quickly and organically. Yeah. No, I love I it. I love fetal skulls because from being a midwife, it's always amazed me how the fetal skull adapts as, you know, it's on the end of the passenger goes through the passage and there's all this power and then gets birthed and I guess that's been quite um I, I guess that's quite a metaphor for how I see life really and um that you have to be really respectful for all of the things that go around you because you're not just an entity on your own are you yeah so yeah fetal skulls and fontanelle are were just there already, really. 
yeah i think that's that's really cool that you've you've kept that sort of uh, in the front of your mind as you've gone along and now the 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 finished product is here and fontanelle the book is here um oh. and it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and i keep grinning whenever people mention it i'm just grinning that's so nice <laughs> it's so nice to be able to um produce a book for you it's such a um i think a really important part of our list this year that gentle caringness um mm-hmm. like i said before like i think we're in dire need of some some care and some gentle some gentle aid right now um and and all of helen shepherd is in this book and, you know i pick it up and i read it and i i hear your voice and you know it's so comforting um and yeah well done congratulations thank you and i think what's really helped is that i know a lot of people who have been published by burning eye so i've been able to you know pump them for information talk to them about the process i've been sort of quietly keeping an eye on what they're doing what they're producing yeah. and how they're doing things and and i think that's been really useful to have that connection yeah 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 yeah. i think we do publish a lot of bristol based people because we're obviously based in bristol um and yeah i think one of the things that burning eye has is that everyone we publish is different their poetry is all, all different um and we try and keep that individuality in in every book that we do yeah um, i mean stephen lightbounds has um i just really love all the um different ways of doing it you know there's yeah. no there's no there's one no, way of writing a no. book yeah absolutely um so yeah, it's been a real pleasure to be able to work with you on Fontanelle and, and publish it and put it out into the world. And I'm so glad that your launch was amazing um, and that you continue to uh, launch the book over the next year. You know, every event you do is, is a launch. Um, oh yeah, no, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good point. Thank you for yeah. saying Don't that. forget that. And also poets, anyone that's listening to this that's just re- uh, releasing a book or about to release a book, remember that every gig that you do in the, in the next year or two is a launch of the book. Every place that you go to and you do a new, um, go to a new, a new city or whatever to do a gig, you're launching your yeah. book there. You're doing a launch. Um, milk it as long as possible, people. <laughs> Um, so Helen, I'm going to ask you if you would um, like to um, finish us off with a poem um, from the book. You can read whatever whatever poem you're in the mood for today. All right, I'm going to read this one because um, one of the people that features in my book is my aunt who's 99 now. And she was yep. a midwife in 1941. Um, and there's a little comparison poem, which I think I've just seen her and handed her a copy of my book. So... We'll celebrate with this poem. Okay, great. Doreen packs petticoats made of parachutes. Oh, little warning, it's about birth and medical stuff. Cool, thanks. Doreen packs petticoats made of parachutes. She practices injections of penicillin loaded a silver bullet for syphilis. Praise for uncomplicated birth, here's of prem babies left by open windows. She does visits on a rickety pedal cycle in winters of power cuts, too cold for Terry nappies to dry, trudges through snowdrifts and wears a hot water bottle tied under layers. She treats hungry beaten children, pox in London smog, constantly combs knits. 
one day of duty a month, watches Royal Elizabeth's wedding with scone and knitting. She dresses Miss Muzzle's legs covered in coal dust and ulcers. Mrs Spencer makes custard with her breast milk to satisfy husband's desires, spoons cow's milk into her baby. The other nine children play out somewhere till it's tea time. Her worst day, a young mother bleeds to death and a filthy house in Wilsdon. A great day, meeting Kevin, who she delivered 60 years ago with all his family. Helen packs cassettes and black stockings. We did in those days wear black stockings. She's curious about how twins are born. She fills a birthing pool while birth partner strips off. Whale music plays. No need for a fishing net. Mother births, baby swims, family breathe gently as one. One day, she undresses a baby for a way, finds a cigarette burn on a week old thigh. HIV arrives in maternity. Mask down, glove up. Try to be kinder and wait for some cure. Doctor says if your hand touches infected blood, it's safe to wash with soapy water. Today, Princess Di is buried. A group of men kick her car for working with no respect. She dodges riots, weighs babies in crack houses, and drinks chai with a family who give her a frilly pink polyester dress for her daughter and a box of rose sweetmeats. Her worst day, home visit to a newborn, blue, breathless, and parents say all is well. A great day having a poem on first delivery published, celebrating birth with Doreen. Thank Yay. you. Virtual clapping. Yay. I need Yay. to get like, some, like clan, de clan applause or something to play <laughs> after someone does a poem. It's just me otherwise. Um, beautiful. That was brilliant. And, and yeah, again, you know, bringing the past and the present together. Um, so many bits of um, historical moments in there as well as, as your own personal history as well. Really beautiful. Thank you so much, Helen. My um, pleasure. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, don't forget that you can buy Helen's book, Fontanelle, um, from our web store. Um, and you can also buy it, and we recommend going direct um, and getting it from Helen, um, who will probably sign a copy for you. Um, I so will. I'll sign and wrap it in lovely orange tissue paper. Oh, amazing. So, Helen, where, where can people buy your book? Oh, um, uh, everywhere, but it's Big Cartel, Helen Shepherd. I think that's a dot com. Yeah, I think it's Helen Shepherd.bigcartel.com. Um, so uh, go there, buy a book from Helen, um, take it home, enjoy, share it with your family and friends. Um, and as ever, thank you so much for supporting Burning Eye Books um, over the last few years. We are incredibly grateful for everyone <laughs> and poetry and community. It's all good. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Bridget. You too. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope the rain holds off. <laughs> <laughs> and you.